anything sexy. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. I am Cat Wonders, and this is episode 49, almost 52. 52 weeks in a year? That means that I've almost had a full year's worth of podcasts posting every Friday. I've missed a couple, but I'm planning on just continuing the trend. So as you know, my last podcast, I was ill and I'm feeling much better. I still have some of the symptoms like itchy throat, itchy nose. Itchy nose has kind of become a thing for me. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. If it's mask fibers like work their way into my nose and now I permanently have an itchy nose. I don't know. All I know is that I'm always going like this and I have a red nose. Red noses are kind of on trend though, makeup wise. If you follow makeup trends, having a rosy nose is not such a bad thing and mine's natural. I got my light stand and it's plugged in. So we're gonna have a fancy concoctail segment, <laughs> fancier. Um, Let me just think here. I went a little crazy with my hair. I shouldn't say this is crazy at all. It was super easy. I just happened to curl the ends and that's that. I was gonna try to find something to put in the top of my pigtails, like little bows or something, but I couldn't find anything to match my outfit. Uh, This is a Sugar Thrills top. I love it so much. I have a bit of a tan, so purple is kind of like, it looks good. For me, I find that if you have pale skin, purples and certain green colors don't really do you justice, but this with a bit of a tan, it's perfect. I love the little doily um, collar and it has a matching skirt, which I'm not wearing just because you can't see my bottom half. So I'm keeping the tag on, keeping it in my closet. So as usual, I'm gonna start this podcast off with a concoctail segment. Now, this podcast almost did not happen today. And I'll tell you why. Um, I worked out this morning and I was going to like postpone it even more because I've been working out four days a week. But since I got home from my trip, I've been sick. So I was like, "Uh, I'm not going to push it. So today I woke up, I felt great. I went to work out and I was really suffering like for real. I just obviously have not recovered completely. And, um, when I got home, I just wanted to fall like face forward on my bed and just take a nap. And then I thought, no. I'm already filming this podcast late because I was away and I just can't let you guys down. So (laughs) I got ready and here I am late, but better late than never, right? So can cocktails. Now I have a very um, special feature spirit. I almost said special, anyway, feature spirit called Raging Crow Distillery. That's the name of the company that makes the spirit that's featuring today. Um, They very kindly sent me such a great little care package. They sent me, I'll show you what they sent me. Uh, They are a Nova Scotian distillery. They're out of North River, Nova Scotia. And let me show you what I get. Okay, so first of all, they sent me two of these glasses here. Raging Crow. I have used these already. That's why there's water spots on them. Um, I'm going to put that right there. Uh, They also sent me something I've needed for a long time. (sighs) Look, it's a little measuring glass. So now we can actually pour ounces, 
rather than free pour and guess. So this, thank you for this. And this is like the size of a shot glass, right? <laughs> I, I swear I only had one shot. <laughs> then they sent me this cocktail shaker. What is this thing called? And it's got their logo on the front. I've got some ice in it. That's why it's all frosty and frothy. Full of ice here. And then they sent me two spirits. Today, though, I'm going to be featuring the El Cuervo Furioso coffee liqueur. It's 21.2% here. And it's obviously maybe based on a Mexican or like a Spanish, Mexican, Spanish coffee liqueur. El Cuervo Furioso coffee liqueur. And uh, it seems here that they've won an award for this Canadian Artisan Spirit competition. They won silver in 2021, maybe for this. Um, it is suggested that if you do pick this up to give it a good shake before you pour. And I've not opened this yet. So we're gonna pop this baby and see what it smells like. <sighs> These nails are pretty, but kind of useless sometimes. Come on. Should probably do this before I start filming, like pre kind of open them so that you're not waiting. Okay, fine teeth. Little plastic wrapping never hurt nobody's teeth, right? Okay, here we go. Ooh, it's very chocolatey, like very cocoa-y, cocoa-ish. Um, okay, so I'm making up this recipe and so we're gonna experiment and see how this goes. Um, this recipe, I'm gonna call this like a cat, a cat house coffee dream. <laughs> a cat house coffee dream, the cat house coffee dream. Uh, two ounces of El Cuervo Furiz, Furiso, Furioso, one ounce of rum, one ounce of espresso, two ounces of cream and cinnamon, plus some pumpkin pie spice. I feel like this is a pretty safe combination, but what I wanna do is taste this first. So I'm just gonna pour a little bit in this and treat it as a shot glass. <laughs> it's a sipper, baby. This is so good on its own. Okay. I wanna pour more for myself on its own, but this would be really good just on ice. That's all I have to say. This is extremely delicious. So good. Okay, so two ounces of this. Actually, I gotta pour it on the table so it's even. Two ounces. Okay, first, actually, I need some ice in my glass. Pour some of that up. Can you see my ice? Look at my ice without the light and with the light. Come on. How could I not? <laughs> okay, two ounces of El Cuervo Furioso coffee liqueur. And by the way, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just trying to pronounce it and do it justice. Spanish is not something that I speak, but maybe one day I will. 
My sister gives online Spanish lessons to any of you that are interested, uh, but only serious inquiries. Email me at kittylickerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and maybe, just maybe, you and my sister can chill. Learn some Spanish. Okay, um, one ounce of rum. I wish I had dark rum. I don't. So I'm just going to use white rum. Um, oh, <laughs> well, since I can't pour that back in the bottle, this is 1.5 ounces of rum. So far, <laughs> it's a little boozy. I'm a little boozy, baby. It's okay. I'm just going to, sorry, that was so annoying. What, what the hell? Who do I think I am? I guess when I have pigtails in, I just think I can get away with everything. And one thing I want to ask you is, as I'm making this, I know I'm getting sidetracked, but if I went to town with pigtails like this in my hair, what would people think? Would they go, oh, her hair looks cute. Would they go, why the hell is she wearing her hair like that? Would they go, does she have mental issues? <laughs> I don't know what they would say, but I think that if I saw a girl walking around town with super high pigtails, that was not like around the age of 17 or 18, I'd be like, she's probably got some, some interesting things going on in her life. Cause I'll tell you what, I do like the way pigtails look. I just don't think I have the guts to wear them in public. Just saying, unless I'm at like the stampede or something, or if I'm going to like a festival, that's a bit different. Okay, one ounce of espresso. I made this espresso this morning. idiot why would I pour it like that anyway one ounce of espresso shit um no cloth god there's no sugar in it what do I do just give me a second Hot diggity dog. One ounce of espresso. Then we're gonna do two ounces of cream. Okay. Now I'm not sure if rum will make the cream separate, but probably not. To me, I feel like vodka is more of a milk curdler. <laughs> <laughs> then rum for some reason why I do not know I'm gonna turn this on mute okay oh and I got me some pumpkin pie spice and some cinnamon so let's do like that was like a quarter teaspoon and then just a couple sprinkles of pumpkin pie spice let's Give this a whirl. This is a new shaker, so I'm really hoping that this, this thing stays together. Woo! It's working! Seems mixed. Mm. Look at that froth on the top. the whipped cream just to add insult to injury oops I brought a straw this time can you believe it no milk mustache for me today okay ready let's give this a shot 
excellent, boozy, but excellent. This is a freaking winner. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, definitely a really, really lovely drink. I really love the fact that this is sippable on its own. So like I said, just pour it over ice. In the evening, there is caffeine, I'm assuming, in it. So like, if you are somebody that can't have caffeine late at night, kind of like me, but if it's in a in like a drink, it's not as bad just because the alcohol kind of counteracts the effects of the caffeine. So it sort of levels itself out in my mind. But this is extremely lovely. Um, yeah, so I can see why I won an award. <laughs> because it's that good. Let me just read to you a little bit about this distillery. Raging Crow Distillery, Inc. is a small batch handcrafted artisanal distillery that focuses on creating national award-winning spirits, sourcing local products wherever possible. That could be the honey from the local beekeeper, the rye from the local farmer, the coffee from the local coffee roaster, the maple syrup from the local maple shack, and the bacon smoked by the local butcher, etc., etc. I used to think when I was a kid it was etc. ECT, but it's ETC. Raging Crow Distillery is focused on quality versus quantity. Our products are only available at the distillery or at select markets and events. Products can be shipped across Canada. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, leave them down below, but also all of the contact information for Raging Crow Distillery will be in the description box of this video. So you yourself can check out their website, check out their products and uh, maybe buy some of this amazing coffee liqueur because I know, you know what? Coffee liqueur makes a nice gift as well because it's not like if for coffee drinkers, right? Maybe not for people that don't drink coffee. I think 99% of the population drinks coffee. So um, I definitely think that because of how good this is, I would absolutely buy this for gifts for Christmas, birthdays, whatever. Just have 10 bottles in my pantry for whenever something comes up. It's a good kind of like, hey, thanks for inviting me to your party. Here's the coffee liqueur. And uh, yeah, so check them out. So now that I've got my cat house coffee, what did I say it was called? <laughs> I always do this. Um, I should always come up with a name after I've made the cocktail. All of the um, prep and the the effort that goes into creating the cocktail distracts me and erases my memory. Cat house, coffee, beverage. Just call it the cat house. I don't know why I call it a cat house. I just literally am like kitty, cats, kittens, cat house, bing. What is a cat house? Is it what I think it is? Like a brothel? <laughs> okay, listen. Um, my week. So, as I mentioned, and not that I care, like you care about my cold. Me talking about it is like, it's just not what I do. But because I have to come up with things to talk about on this podcast, I'll talk about my cold. Um, but I'm not going to talk about it because I've already said everything I need to say. And I want to forget about it. Um, also, another thing I forgot to mention last week on my podcast was that... <laughs> I, what happened when I woke up that morning is I had like swollen eyes and what happens, same with when I get allergies, my, my upper face kind of gets swollen, like my sinus area. So like even my cheeks get puffy under my eyes, over my eyes. And I was doing my makeup before my podcast and I was like, what am I doing? 
I look like hell. That I'm like, they don't care what I look like. I could actually show up, I know I could show up with no makeup and you guys would not care, but I do. So it's like just in my own head. But anyway, moving forward, I am recovered it like 99%. I'm almost there. So, okay. So I went to the dentist again for my, like I'm starting the process of my dental work. And I think I mentioned before I have, there are a few steps that I need to take before I can like get the dental bonding that I'm looking for. And uh, if you're just tuning in, basically like I was born with straight teeth. I've never had braces. I'm, I've been very lucky that way, but I'm a grinder. I grind my teeth. My dad ground his teeth. I think it's a, gen it's a genetic thing. Um, and I thought that I stopped a while ago, but it turns out I didn't. I just stopped waking myself up doing it probably because my teeth are so ground that they're not making noise anymore. <laughs> they just fit perfectly together like two puzzle pieces, um, which is super annoying because obviously you don't want to grind your teeth. You don't want to wear your teeth down and age them faster than you need to. So I'm taking steps to <laughs> solve this issue. Um, and there are many steps along the way before I can actually get the bonding done on my teeth. Cause if I did it now, I would chip it all off. Bonding is nowhere near as strong as enamel. Uh, so if I'm grinding my teeth at night, I'll wake up and have chipped teeth everywhere. So that's not fun. So what I need to do is actually realign my teeth with Invisaligns, it'll take about 12 to 18 months. Um, but because I don't have a lot of movement that needs to happen, I think 12 months is sort of like where they're predicting. Um, so Invisaligns are basically like, almost like a mouth guard you clip on. I could be wearing it right now, you wouldn't really notice. I do notice when some YouTubers that I watch have their Invisaligns in because they have a bit of a lisp. And that will drive me crazy. So I think when I'm, <laughs> at least when I'm filming my podcast, or going out for a nice dinner or whatever, um, I'll be taking them out, but you wanna wear them pretty much as much as possible. Annoying thing is, is that every time you eat or drink anything with any type of anything in it besides water, you they recommend obviously you brush your teeth before you put the Invisaligns back in. Um, and I'm thinking in the real world, <laughs> will I do this? Uh, maybe just keep like a little mouthwash with me. So go to the bathroom. Cause you don't wanna take your Invisaligns out or excuse me, taking them out is a lot more disgusting than putting them in, but um, in public. So, you know, hold on, let me, just give me a second. Put it in the case, put it in my purse. So what I was saying was, and that by the time that I am start talking and the person starts puking, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't really bother me. Well, that's not true. I probably would be bothered if I saw somebody take their shit out and then there's like a slime slobber trail and then what am I talking about? The steps towards the teeth of my dreams. Uh, so what's gonna happen, long story short, realigning my teeth and um, basically fixing my teeth will stop the grinding. I'm not saying the grinding will stop, but when you, Fix your teeth with Invisalize. You're essentially wearing a mouth guard, top and bottom, all night. So the grinding will stop in that sense. And when your teeth are aligned and redone, you get refitted, and then you have basically a retainer you wear at night. So from this point on, well, until I get my Invisalize, <laughs> which will be in about six weeks, maybe longer, um, that will start the process. So in the meantime, I'm just chilling out. <laughs> 
grinding my teeth all night long. And um, yeah. So yes, I went to the city. I had a wonderful dinner. I uh, went to a place called Orchard. I think I've talked about it before on my podcast. The best place. So good. Um, I didn't go to Rodney's Oyster House because... So I had two dental appointments, one on one day, one on the next. So that night, whenever I eat oysters, raw oysters, I love them with lemon, le like fresh lemon juice, a mignonette, which is essentially like a purple vinegar with like chopped up onions and is really good, um, Tabasco, and then like fresh shaved horseradish. That's kind of my go-to. Uh, so, but... The next day, whenever I do this, my teeth kind of ache because I've had so much lemon juice on my teeth because I eat like 40 raw oysters. If, if I'm committing to oysters for dinner, I'm not eating anything else besides oysters. My record is 46. It would have been 48, but the person I was with ate two. And then they were like, I don't like oysters. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> don't touch them. I'll eat them. Um, and then it was a course of like a few hours we were sitting there. So it wasn't just like... <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I, I, I love raw oysters, but I didn't do that because I thought I'm going to be in the dentist chair the like the next day for hours. And I'm telling you, I'm glad I didn't do it because when they start scraping your teeth. I've got a couple really sensitive spots behind my two bottom teeth. So bad. Um, but anyway, so I, that was my plan. I was like, I'm, I'd love to go for oysters, but I'll go for fusion like Italian food instead and that that's not what orchard is it's fusion food but it's like they have everything there um the snow is melting Easter is around the corner do you guys have plans for Easter what do you normally do for Easter do you spend it with family do you not care about Easter let me know because uh, Easter is kind of always up in the air whether like I go see my family whether they come here we're still working that out but it's going to be fun and I'm starting to get my bike tuned up because already I can ride, but like obviously not all the trails are thought out, but I'm super excited for my biking season. So another thing is I started taking lion's mane mushrooms. Now, not just eating the mushrooms, they're grown locally, dried and put into capsules. Now I, a while ago, I should say maybe eight months ago, uh, I started taking lion's mane and turkey tail mushrooms in capsule form. Lion's mane is supposed to be really good for the brain and turkey tail is really good for the immune system. So that why not like double up and just like take all of these mushrooms? Like because there's so many benefits and blah, blah, blah. And then it, it wind up, wound up kind of making me feel like shit. And I, I didn't realize it at first, but after about three days, I was like, it must be those mushroom supplements because I don't feel good. So I stopped taking them because I didn't know if it was a combination or individually and I didn't want to feel like shit again. So I just stopped taking it all together. And I was like, it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm trying to take these to feel better and like to help my system. Uh, and it was doing just the opposite. So I stopped. Then I was at the farmer's market the other day, the local farmer's market. And uh, there were all different types of mushrooms for sale. 
and no, I shouldn't say for like some are dried, the ones you want to cook with, and then other ones that will help bring oxygen to your brain. Um, there and then there was like some uh, lion's mane mushrooms. And if you haven't heard of lion's mane mushrooms, now I know they're not psychedelic, by the way, so they're not like they don't work the same way that a you know a psychedelic mushroom would. It's not doesn't make your brain like trip or anything like that. It just has all of these like essential benefits. It has to do with your neurons in your brain and like if there are damaged neurons and and um, different areas of your brain that need help, it'll help with that. I'm gonna read to you though the benefits because I'm so bad at reiterating information about anything. <laughs> okay. It is believed that lion's mane mushrooms can help with the development and function of nerves, protecting them from being damaged. Now, I'm not sure if this is just in the brain, but uh, this is a particular interest to science in the prevention and treatment of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and multiple sclerosis, diseases which afflict nearly 100 million people worldwide. Lion's mane may help with dementia, and they're always saying may, right? Because there's not been like real clinical studies, I don't think. Um, but it, throughout history, it's been used for this. So anyway, listen, just listen, all right? <laughs> uh, lion's mane may help with dementia, anxiety, depression, memory loss, and other cognitive issues in those age 65 and up. I'm 64, so that's, that's pretty close. <laughs> lion's mane extract may boost cognitive function, especially in older adults with mild cognitive impairment. Specifically, it may help prevent memory problems that are caused by the brain uh, and brain plaques associated with Alzheimer's disease. Lion's mane mushroom contains heresinones and erinocines, which can stimulate brain cell growth. It may also help regenerate brain cells and help improve cognitive function and how well the hippocampus functions. This vital area of the brain, which plays a significant, a significant role in processing memories and controlling emotions. Um, lion's mane mushrooms benefit, lion's mane mushroom benefits cognitive function by improving object recognition, improved recognition memory, preventing or treating diseases associated with cognitive decline, including Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. There's things like mood regulation, reduced risk of heart disease, digestive health, cancer prevention, improved immune system, managing diabetes, faster healing and nerve regeneration, and uh, lots of different advantages. So mushrooms, and I'll get more into this later in the podcast because I do, like I have a major interest in this stuff, but uh, let me just say, so, this guy grows these mushrooms and dries them, puts them into powder form, and puts them in capsule form. Now, they're 200 milligram capsules, and typically like a, a proper dose of lion's mane is 700, 750 milligrams, so I've been taking four pills a day for the last six days. Now, I never really expected any type of difference off the bat right? Some things take time to kind of get to where they need to go for your body to start doing its thing, blah, blah, blah. My mood in the last like six days, well, I shouldn't say six, so say five days. So, so the day that I bought them, I took four. It was like the next day 
that I recognized that I just had a little bit more energy and I just was in a better mood. <laughs> and I thought, okay, is this like a placebo effect? Like, am I, because I know that this is supposed to help my brain, do am I actually feeling the benefits? Or is it just because I know that I'm taking it in my brain? Either way, I'm experiencing benefits. So whether it's just hocus pocus phony shit because my brain is like, hmm, she thinks this is going to help. Like, let's give an extra boost of dopamine or something, <laughs> whatever. Um, or if it's actually working. So to me, to be honest, it really doesn't matter either way. Um, there's really no side effects or like negative side effects with taking the lion's mane mushroom. Um, and like I said, I'm going to get more into it later on in the podcast, just, just to share some interesting facts about mushrooms because they're miraculous and uh, I think you should know. Oh yeah, one more thing about lion's mane. I was reading that you do want to be careful with the kind that you buy and it says make sure that it doesn't uh, say, um, oh, I can't remember, <laughs> maybe the lion's mane isn't working um, because you can buy, like they will false market lion's mane and it, what you're actually getting is just the stem of it. It's not the actual like mushroom itself um, just to kind of like profit off of calling it lion's mane because technically it is but it's not the part that you need to help your brain so um yeah i mean i think nowadays because mushrooms are such a popular thing that you can absolutely go and find the proper type of mushroom but like i said if i remember what it is exactly it's called to avoid it's it says it's basically an ingredient so you can read on the back if it says a certain name then don't buy that type because it's not the kind you need um luckily for me like i said it's i know the source and i like this person's doing it on their own organically. And uh, so I'm getting the real, the real good sh shit. <laughs> Give me the good shit. <laughs> um, so yeah. And speaking of mushrooms, while I'm kind of on the topic, I want to show you something. So you know how I like to metal detect. I like to do some hunting, fishing. Another thing that I really enjoy doing is mushroom hunting. So, if you don't recognize these, these are dried morel mushrooms. These are extremely expensive if, you, if you're to buy them um, dried at any market. Uh, but it just so happens that I have a few hotspots. <laughs> and this is one of dozens of jars and I've got dozens of packages of dehydrated mushrooms in the freezer. Now, a couple things about these. So these taste like heaven on earth. They're very organic. They're very unique flavor. Um, they're very sought after. Sought after. Sought after. Sought after in France. Um, and very, like I said, very expensive. Um, but like I said. I just so happen to know a few places. <laughs> of course, it's a secret. Now, these are dehydrated. Um, and, oh gosh, just <sighs> so good. Now, before this mushroom was dehydrated, it was probably this big. Of course, they shrink down. 
Um, key is to not actually screw the lid on these jars because you do want moisture to escape as well. Um, now, if, when you find a patch of morale, like I'll tell you what, I have some dream come true scenarios where I come upon a meadow and I see one morel poking up out of the, the needles because typically they need a bit of moisture, but they need a dry spot, a certain type of forest, blah, blah, blah. When you find that first morel, you're just like, I'm on them. I found them. Because sometimes I go, to be honest, five times out of seven, <laughs> um, I get skunked. I don't find anything. I think I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to find them there because it's just everything's perfect and they're just not there. So when you find the first one, it's like, oh boy, here we go. It's like treasure hunting. And then I have my little side pouch, my little bucket, my little knife, because you don't want to pick them you want to just harvest them by cutting off the cap and the cap is uh is long so like the stem is really only this big so you're not really wasting any of the mushroom and then that way uh you're also leaving some of the mushroom behind to create more potentially it doesn't always work that way but it can and uh it's just incredible a few years ago and i i don't think i'll ever see it like that again Found the first mushroom and it was incredible. I was with a couple other people and I was like, found one. And then as soon as I said it, the people I was with were like, found one, found one. Found... And then before we knew it, it was like, imagine a graveyard <laughs> with tombstones. It was like, stand... like when we saw the first few mushrooms, we just like looked up and it was like mushrooms everywhere, all morels, batches, big ones, small ones, like clusters, just everywhere. And we were hooting and hollering and it was in an old burn. So I shouldn't say an old burn. When the forest burns and like we have wildfires in BC, Alberta, everywhere. And hopefully like fingers crossed, it's not going to be a major fire year this coming summer, but kind of take note as to where the fires have been and then not that year, but the following year, for some reason, this is the charcoal or whatever, maybe it's just the clearing of the forest because mushrooms communicate and they understand what's going on. I know I sound like a hippie, but it's true. Um, it's almost like they know that the fire happened and then psh, the spores just open up <laughs> and the mushrooms grow. And that's where you can typically find them. I have found them randomly in the bush though with where there's no fire so um but that's kind of like where you it's a good place to look and uh so we were by the end of the day we had freaking buckets of these and but we were covered in soot because it was an, it was a burn so every tree you touch you like wipe your your forehead we kind of look like we were in like army paint at the end of the day so exhausted and then of course the weight of them walking like hiking all the way back to the quads and oh my god such a great day um and it's really just so rewarding right and it was that was ridiculous and then of course the next year we went back to be like let's get some more not one not one mushroom <laughs> so um and whether they were there earlier later um may is the morel picking season so that's coming up like soon uh so i'm super excited but anyway not that i need any more but it, they also make really nice gifts for people but you can't eat them raw 
even dehydrated, you can't eat them like this. So lesson learned, I have a friend, I gave a little package of dried mushrooms too. Now they ate one just like this, like dry, but it's not, they're not cooked and dried. They're just dried, raw and fresh. So all the toxins and things in the mushroom are still there. Now, you're not gonna die if you eat a raw morel. It will make you sick. Um, you have to cook them and you gotta make sure that they're cooked. So stews, gravies, soups, I mean, you name it, even fresh in garlic and butter and cream, just make sure that they're cooked. Um, so she wound up eating one of these mush mushrooms. Um, this is a disgusting story, by the way. If you have a squeamish stomach, I suggest skipping ahead. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a timestamp. Uh, essentially, she ate the, a cup, like she just ate it like raw, you know, like a dried mushroom, like curious maybe what it tasted like. She puked, okay, on the floor. That's not the worst part. The dog <laughs> wound up eating her puke. And then the dog started puking. <laughs> it was just so bad. So I think I just assumed that she would know to rehydrate them and cook them. I just didn't think that she would eat them raw. And I didn't ex explain before. So that was, that was terrible. Now, um, so don't eat them raw. It makes sure you maybe put a disclaimer on the gift, like to cook them, rehydrate them, cook them. Um, so it's really not, it's kind of like eating like a potato raw. It's like, you don't really do it normally, but you just, you're, cur you're curious, but sometimes if it's got green skin, <laughs> make you sick too. So anyway, um, yeah, make sure you kind of like give a little, give some instruction before you gift wild mushrooms. Um, there have also been other times where I think I'm picking a patch of morels, but there are certain species of false morels that are identical looking. Um, and how do I explain it? I'll just give you a quick example. Okay, so, no, this is a better one. Okay, so for example, this mushroom, okay, this, hold on. Now, this mushroom here, you could see that the cap here goes right into the stem. So there's this isn't like a cap mushroom where there's kind of a lid and a stem underneath. It's all one piece, right? So if you look inside, you can see right inside to the top. So it's all one tube, basically. I found a patch of what I thought were morels. This was like five years ago. And they look identical to morels, except the cap was separate from the stem. So I could lift off the cap and then there'd be like a little stem left. But I, at the time, I didn't know. Like I didn't even think about it. I just was picking mushrooms. Something felt a little different, but I was like stoked about the fact that I had found all like a huge patch. So then we get back to camp and start cooking these mushrooms up. They don't smell like morels at all. So I was going, what the hell? These don't smell right. And like we had a big freaking bucket of them. And I was like, something's not right. Like, I don't think that these are morels, but they look identical to morels. Anyway, long story short, um, 
none of them were eaten and it wouldn't have really mattered because the, they were false morels, but they weren't super, like they're not poisonous, especially if you've cooked them. But it just goes to show how easy it is sometimes to make a mistake, even with a morel mushroom. Um, but like I said, no, luckily nobody ate it. And I think that if we would have eaten them, we would have been fine anyway, but, uh, it just blew my mind. I was like, these are so, it's so unreal how they are identical. Like the cap looks identical, but they were just completely different, like a completely different mushroom. Yeah. So just a little story. Now I am going to pull up my epidemic sound account, except all cookies. I might do a repeat song just because I've got a few good ones here and I don't think you guys mind listening to a good song twice. Okay, so this is a tune that we've listened to before and uh, we're gonna listen to it again because it's good. And it's called One on One by Wild Wildson and Aston Turner. <laughs> It sounds like the beginning of a Barry White song. Oh, baby. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, my baby. Come and show me how it's done. It's just you and me. One on one. Nice and 
by Aston Turr and Wilds Wildson. That was that. So that was a groovy music segment. I want to talk about... What am I even talking about? <laughs> I don't know what I want to talk about. Let's get into cat facts. Still no intro for that. It's gonna happen. One day. Do we need an intro? Not really, but that's just... I like to kind of fancify things, sometimes unnecessarily, but you know, I would like a cat facts and a kitty twister intro. That's all. That's all I want. Um, now, these cat facts, these interesting facts that I found online about m mushrooms are very interesting and I think that you're going to enjoy some of this information. Uh, I got a couple of websites here um, that have interesting mushroom facts. So these 10 facts that I found were interesting but not at all like in the into the depth that I was hoping to find because mushrooms are so complex and interesting. Mushrooms are genetically closer to humans than plants. Uh, having went their own genetic way 13, 1.3 million years ago. <laughs> the, look at how this is written. The fact number one, 1300 million years ago. I think that's, wait, what? That's 1.3 billion million? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, a long time ago. Um, fungi breath. Oh, sorry. Fungi breathe oxygen and ex exhale CO2. Like people. Let's see here. More than 80% of the earth under your feet is mycelium. All right. The mushroom is the tip of the iceberg and the fruiting body of the mycelium uh, makes up less than 5% of the organi organism. So the mushroom that you see is only 5% of the mushroom. That's strange, right? Because when you pick a mushroom or you harvest a mushroom, you think that's just, that's it. But what's really happening is underground. That's wild. Uh, the largest organism on the planet is a honey fungus, which is 2.4 miles across. But maybe if we really understood the, or we could measure the size of a mushroom, like in its fullness, not just the 5%, but like the other 95%. That's also interesting to think about. The hardest natural material in nature is sporopollenin, which the mushroom spores are made of. The hardest natural material in nature. Harder than enamel? <laughs> interesting. Mushroom spores can survive the vacuum and radiation of space. So maybe there are mushrooms floating around out there in the universe life on other planets. Death cap, Amanita phalloides, is one of the most deadliest organisms on earth. The most deadliest, the most deadly, or the deadliest, English, <laughs> organisms on earth. They contain amatoxin. Once ingested, you've got no hope of recovery. Okay, it depends on how much you ingest. I know somebody that ate, I shouldn't say I know somebody, I know somebody that knows somebody that ate one of these in their yard. This was in Vancouver and they didn't die. But I think it was like, they took one bite and they're like, ah, actually that's not, and then they went to the hospital and then they recovered. So I think if you eat an entire one, 
you're finished. Psilocybin mushrooms, magic mushrooms, are being researched by John Hopkins University to treat depression, addiction, and many other psychological problems. I think we all know this by now, like microdosing mushrooms has become a big thing, and those aren't just lion's mane mushrooms or button mushrooms, those are psychedelic mushrooms. Okay, so those were the facts that I thought were, excuse me, you know, good to know, but really not uh, that interesting. Then I found this website, which is Ranker. <laughs> not Wanker, <laughs> not that website. Ranker with, uh, with an R. Um, fascinating facts about mushrooms that'll blow your mind. And these are definitely those facts. I'm also gonna try to show you some of the photos on my phone so you can see what I'm talking about. Certain, like every mushroom looks so different. And there are, you know, we, we should do an episode of, What's the name of my podcast? This lion's mane mushrooms are doing no good for me. Um, I want to do like a, a kitty liquor episode, probably dedicated to this slightly. And, you know, it's up to you if you want to watch it or listen to it or not. Um, but just kind of based on shocking photos of the types of mushrooms that exist. And I have a, a, a thick book. I keep it at my private cabin. But it's like this thick of all different types of mushrooms. If I can recommend a t coffee table book, get a mushroom book that cover that has really beautiful photos of mushrooms because these mushroom like <sighs> some of them are hilarious too. Like there's something called a stinkhorn mushroom <laughs> that looks ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. Sh I'm. You can look it up yourself. But I think you should probably buy a coffee table book of mushrooms like photos information just because it, they're so interesting and literally like every third page i'm like holy shit like oh my god like as if these are real things that exist in nature because they're so alien that it's mind-blowing like there's slime there's um slimer mushrooms that are just like so weird anyway uh there's a mushroom that tastes nearly identical to fried chicken I'm gonna show you the picture. Check that puppy out. Um, there is an entire genus of mushrooms found all over the world that tastes like fried chicken. It's even referred to as the chicken of the woods. It is most commonly found in Eastern North America and is bright orange. It sort of looks like a tasty piece of fried buffalo chicken. So I cannot say that if I came across this mushroom in the bush, that I would be like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna take a bite of that. It looks poisonous as hell, <laughs> doesn't it? It's kind of like finding like a, a sea cucumber in the bottom of the ocean and be like, I wanna take a bite of this. Like, like it's in the same category of like weirdness to kind of go there. But there are people that can go in the bush and find these mushrooms, identify them, cut off a little slice. But keep in mind that a lot of these, even though they are edible, cooked, are not necessarily edible, raw, um, like the morel. There are more than 75 species of mushroom that glow in the dark. Here's a photo. Woohoo! More and more species of mushroom that glow in the dark are being discovered all the time. As it stands now, there are more than 75 species that are bioluminescent. So that would be trippy too. Egyptians considered them the plant of immortality. So you can see this Egyptian, ancient Egyptians referred to mushrooms as the plant of immortality. In hieroglyphs, 
uh, more than 4,600 years ago. Uh, mushrooms were so revered in Egyptian society that commoners were forbidden from touching them. Mushrooms were a food exclusively for royalty. Some mushrooms can create their own wind. <laughs> I know some people that can create their own wind. <laughs> anyway, this is the image. This looks like a puffball mushroom. So these are actually kind of fun to find in the wild because you can pop them. And it's not necessarily hurting anything because the spores are what recreate. They, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they seed the ground with more mushrooms. It's almost like reproducing. That's the word I'm looking for. If mushrooms were to simply drop their spores like a tree does its leaves, the chances of mushrooms reproducing would be slim to none. But it turns out that mushrooms create airflow around them by causing water to rapidly evaporate, thus creating a vehicle for spreading their spores around their environment. That's wild. Uh, we are hardwired for mushroom nutrition. They just show a picture of a bunch of mushrooms in a pan. For much of what we naturally lack, mushrooms have in an easy digestible form. They contain disease-fighting properties, antioxidants, and a whole gamut of important nutrients. They even contain copper, a mineral that is vital to our survival that we cannot produce on our own. Did you know that we needed copper to survive? Um, magic mushrooms actually boost communication within the brain. So this is, I read this and I thought, okay, interesting. It kind of gives me a little bit more insight as to what's going on in the brain when you eat a psychedelic mushroom. <laughs> Researchers theorize that tripping is actually experiencing a hyper-connected brain. When you take mushrooms with psilocybin, your brain stops communicating normally and communication starts occurring between brain regions that don't normally talk together. It is shown to be a great way to change perspective, aid in, allevi aid in alleviating depression and dealing with PTSD. So pretty much what's going on is you are, you, uh, there are parts of your brain that are triggered, activated, that would normally just be dormant. I mean, I've heard this before, but like, we only use 10% of our brains. I have heard that that's bogus information and that we use more than that. Um, but if that's true and we have 90% that we're not using and you take magic mushrooms, like everything that you're experiencing is within your own brain. There are people that believe that certain psychedelics actually allow you to enter different realms on the planet. So things like DMT, uh, that kind of almost allow you to see into a different dimension because you're no longer part of like the natural world. You're kind of in this different dimension. Anyway, uh, super interesting stuff. I could create an entire podcast just based around mushrooms and not know anything about them. <laughs> just read stuff off the internet, but um, mushrooms have less calories than a rice cake. I think we pretty much know that. Um, mushrooms act as a prebiotic for beneficial bacteria. Probiotics are a are the good bacteria that live in our stomachs that help us digest, metabolize better, and overall survive. Antibiotics often throw the system into madness, which is why taking probiotics is, is important. Uh, prebiotics help the pre... The pre... <laughs> prebiotics help the probiotics do their thing. Uh, mushrooms are great, easily digested, and cheap. True. The Mario mushroom has similar effects in real life. So this mushroom, I think that's like, if I were to draw a mushroom, this is my go-to. The bright red and white mushrooms from Super Mario Brothers that cause you to grow in size throughout the game are real. 
They're called Amanita muscaria, and not only do they look just like the ones in the game, but they're also slightly poisonous. Not enough to shut down the vital organs, but enough to cause loss of equilibrium. If you eat the skin, it can make you feel larger or make the world feel larger, which is pretty much what they do in the game. So if <laughs> make you feel larger or make the world feel larger, wouldn't that mean that you feel smaller? <laughs> anyway, interesting. Uh, chaga mushrooms help the body in a myriad of impressive ways. And guess what? I happen to have a huge chunk of chaga that I cut into pieces right here, growing on my property. So this, it actually kind of looks like a stump of wood. There's a white feather, which is a good omen. Um, anyway, so as you can see with the picture here, this is what they look like growing on a tree. And I have many more on my property. And this is also a valuable mushroom that you can buy probably at most organic health food stores um, in smaller chunks. This is probably worth about $40. And as you can see, I cut it off of a big chunk. Um, chaga mushrooms may not look appetizing. They just look like charcoal or burnt, burnt wood, pretty much. Um, but they are certainly worth eating. Chaga is extremely high in antioxidants, contains betulinic acid, um, an anti-tumor compound, and is shown to help strengthen bone marrow and is even good for the skin. There's a whole world of benefits from this mushroom. The way that I consume these mushrooms is by making a tea, because you don't really want to eat, you don't really want to eat it. It's very much like bark, not, not as hard as wood, but it's like eating bark. So you wanna make a tea. Um, and typically like I'll make a pot on the stove and then like boil the water, put the chaga in, turn it down and kind of simmer it for a little bit and just make tea. And the t it's funny cause the water turns black, like black. So it's definitely saturated um, and it's got a myriad of benefits. So, and I've got lots of it. So this one, this, this is crazy. Okay, there is a mushroom that supposedly gives women instant orgasms. Look at the photo of this. So this is like a veiled mushroom. This is one of the crazy looking ones. Check it out. And if you watch these mushrooms from like grow in, in um, time-lapse, like sped up, it's like they grow and then this veil comes out. It's just unbelievable, it's wild. This one has a fly on it, but the fly is looking for an orgasm. <laughs> There's a mushroom in Hawaii that when smelled causes instant orga orgasms in women. <laughs> I don't know. More than half of the female test subjects experience a simultaneous orgasm. Uh, there are significant sexual arousal characteristics present in the fetid odor of this unique mushroom. These results suggest that the hormone-like compounds present in the volatile portion of the spore mass may have some similarity to human neurotransmitters during sexual encounters. Men in the study just said it smelled awful. I want to smell me this mushroom but I think that you probably have to, like a lot of mushrooms can't be grown in the wild. Like same with, I think that the, the Chinese have figured out a way to grow morels, but for a long time, they were kind of impossible to grow, to farm them and because they're so valuable. Of course, now if they've been farmed, the value of the mushroom goes way down because it's, you know, but a lot of these mushrooms 
just pop up and then you like to try to recreate because you can't just like cut a mushroom dry it up sprinkle it on soil and then more come it doesn't work that way it doesn't actually say what type of mushroom this is and i was trying to figure it out <laughs> what is the mushroom called uh, the most expensive mushrooms cost thousands of dollars there of course in my mind i haven't read this yet i would say the truffle but i don't that this doesn't look like a truffle mushroom to me. Uh, there are a few species of mushroom that retail for thousands of dollars per pound. One of those mushrooms is a matsutake. The matsutake is exceedingly rare, uh, is an exceedingly rare Japanese mushroom that yields less than a thousand tons. What on the planet? Because I've picked matsutakes. Have I been consuming thousands of dollars worth of mushrooms for years? Another, the Alba white mushroom, which I believe is what this this is, because these are not Matsutakis, is a truffle that only grows from September to January in Italy. Why would they show? These look like Steinpilz. These look like um, mushrooms that grow in Europe. No, maybe they're not. Anyway, these aren't Matsutakis, unless they're a different type. But I, I've picked Matsutakis and I have no spot. <laughs> wow, guys, I'm a millionaire. I didn't even know it. Okay, this is also interesting. Mushrooms are completely unique in that they have umami, the fifth taste. Salty, sweet, bitter, sour. Most know that those are the four primary tastes, but there's actually a fifth, umami. Mushrooms are the only food that process this fifth, oh, that possess this fifth, almost meat-like flavor. So that's interesting. Um, mushrooms contain vitamin D. Uh, let's see. They are nature's natural pesticide. Mushroom spores repel more than 200,000 species of insect. That's a huge chunk of the pest problem with no harm to humans or the environment via any man-made chemical pesticides. Um, this is true because like there are certain mushrooms that have like bug holes all through them and then the majority of mushrooms that we pick though that are surrounded by insects, the insects don't touch them. Neither do the rodents actually. Like sometimes you'll find like little bites taken out but very, very rarely. Animals can trip on mushrooms too. Duh. Oh, and the, there are two, roughly 200 species of magic mushrooms and... The last fact I'm going to read is humans have been taking magic mushrooms for thousands of years. So you can assume that these sculptures represent mushrooms or you can assume something else. <laughs> that concludes cat facts. Well, that concludes episode 49 of Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. I hope that you enjoyed it. I had lots of fun made a lovely cocktail. Thanks again to Raging Crow Distillery out of Nova Scotia for sending me spirits. I've also got another one to try. So I've got quite a few <laughs> companies to cover that have sent me their spirits. So I'm very thankful. So this recipe, my cat house cocktail will be in the description box. I don't think that I would make it with anything besides this. This is my new favorite coffee liqueur. Pour this over ice and you're good to go. Um, so thanks again to Raging Crow. And uh, if you own a distillery or you 
have an idea as to what distillery I should work with, then please let me know in the comments down below. Also email me at kittylickerpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, um, or suggestions, maybe some jokes. I didn't get to Kitty Twisters this episode, but which is good because then I have some jokes for next episode. <laughs> um, of course, I'm off on a tangent again. Got off on a tangent, I should say. Um, but it's all fun. That's what we're here for. We're chatting. If you are just listening to this podcast, I definitely have a video version on YouTube. Check that out. And I have a free OnlyFans and a Patreon, and I've got all that fun stuff um, linked down below in the description box. So check me out. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope that you had a great time with me. I hope that you have an amazing weekend and I will see you in my next video.